Echo Church 2020. It's been something, hasn't it? Some days of the week I just feel despair, and other days I find hope again. This week in the news, I just felt burdened when I kept thinking of my home state of Kentucky in Louisville, 90 miles from here, and no one had been held accountable for Breonna Taylor's death, and it was just heartbreaking. Although right before I recorded this, I see that something is perhaps being done. A little bit of hope again. Or I read in the news that in Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, spanning those states, 173,000 people are members of Navajo Nation. And they're on lockdown again this weekend because COVID-19 is just running rampant. And a third of their houses have no running water. It's just heavy to think about Americans who aren't being protected, who don't feel safe. It's heavy. The glimmer of other hope that we had this week was Supreme Court when they ruled to protect our friends in the LGBTQ community and the dreamers. So again, rise and fall of hope in our government, in humanity. It's nothing new, I know. Generations have had to persevere, have had to try to hold on to hope in the midst of oppression, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of broken promises. And our ancestors of faith in ancient history throughout the pages of the Bible, it's the same thing. And we read those stories and we try to see that God is always moving, that he's trying to continue to hold out hope for us if we can hold on to him. We've been reading through the book of Daniel. We've been seeing that the Jewish people are having to figure out a new normal because they were taken captive, thousands of them, into Babylon to live in a foreign land under a violent king, under unjust systems. And they continued to pray out to a God to deliver them. Their Yahweh God is the same God we pray to today to deliver us. And I believe we can trust him in 2020 as much as they did then. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3 today. If you can recall, up to this point, we've met three young Jewish men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They had been trained in the ways of the Babylonians, and yet they still stood up for their faith. They'd been tested again and again. And last week, we heard that they were threatened with death because the king couldn't figure out a dream he had. But God had been communicating to the king and God used Daniel to interpret the dream and explain that God is in control. The king's dream was about the statue that was made of different metals that represented different kingdoms and how God would endure past all of those kingdoms. That statue fell in his dream. Here in the beginning of Daniel 3, guess what the king is doing? He's building himself a 90-foot statue. Aha, but he's making it all of gold as if he thinks that's going to work. So that is where our setting is now. And here we read that the word for statue isn't just statue, but it also indicates idol and idols were made for worship. And that's what the king has in mind. We're going to read his command right here in chapter three, verse four. Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, all kinds of music. 
You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. This king loves him some threats. I mean, he cannot give out a ruling without these terrifying punishments as a result. And guess what happens? Three of our friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they refuse to worship. A couple of things I want to point out here. First, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they had been given a new identity. You'll notice here in Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read that their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's because the Babylonians renamed all these Jewish young people to try to get into their identity, to try to change their loyalty, to praise the Babylonian gods with every breath that they said their names. These young men had to fight hard to remember their identity, that they were children of God and they served a powerful, amazing God who loved them in return. And maybe that's what you are struggling with right now. Maybe you have to fight really hard right now because people are labeling you, calling you things, expecting things out of you that is different from the identity that you were created with. God loves you and you are a child of God made in his image. Please know that that is your identity. The second thing I want to look at is that these young men, they had been given positions of authority. At the end of chapter 2, The king promoted these guys, and now they were foreigners living in Babylonian, yet they had power in the Babylonian kingdom. So the people that told on them, that ratted them out to the king, were the Babylonian astrologers, probably jealous because these guys were smarter than them, probably jealous because these Jewish guys coming in, taking on positions in their kingdom that they didn't get the promotion Also with this position, though, the king was probably extra frustrated. Okay, he's probably raging because these are guys he promoted and now they're making him look bad because they're not obeying his commands. If he can't control the people who work for him, what good is that? What kind of king is he? Here is his reaction. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they were brought before the king, and he said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. He's giving them another chance. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Notice that he's taunting, not these young men, but he's taunting God. Trying to say, who is more powerful than my wrath? But it didn't faze these young men. They still refused. And so now, oh, and why they would have refused? Because of the God they served. Those Ten Commandments you've probably heard of, they were raised to love and obey God. And this is how God asked them to obey him. Exodus 20, the very beginning of the commandment says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. They were trying to obey the heart of their faith right here by saying, no, God has said, 
that we are his people and this is how we are to behave. Whether we're living in Babylon or in Jerusalem, this is how we will behave. What happens next might sound like a movie. The king says, fine. He's so mad. He says, turn up the fire seven times hotter than normal so that the guards who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the fire, they themselves burned up and died because it was that hot. The guys are tied up. It says they have all their fancy robes and turbans on, so very flammable. And they're just tossed into the fire, laying there tied up. But then when the king looks again, there's no ropes, they're standing, they're not burning up, and there's a fourth guy in there. He's counting again. That man looks like the son of the gods, the king said. God had shown up to be with them in the fire. The king let them out, saw that they were not harmed at all. They didn't even smell like smoke. It's a miracle. I've been watching a little Kimmy Schmidt lately. Truly it was a miracle, and the king was amazed. Verse 29. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives than serve or worship any god except their own god. He sounds like it's a good thing now, but he was pretty much raging a few minutes ago. Therefore, I decree that people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses turned into rubble, for no other God can rescue in this way. The king can't even give God a compliment without threatening to kill people. The interesting thing to look at here is that notice King Nebuchadnezzar didn't say, okay, everybody start worshiping this God. He didn't remove the command to worship that giant statue he just set up. Basically, he's saying, just don't badmouth this God. So I guess he's letting the guys not have to worship. But it seems like everybody else still might have to. So not exactly a full change of heart. Okay, so this is a fun story. Maybe you heard it as a kid like I did. And it's a fun kid story. There's fire and people surviving and it's really cool. But as an adult, maybe it doesn't feel super relatable. But I'll tell you this. I didn't enjoy this story as much until I became adult. An adult. Am I adulting? I think I am. Because someone told me a few years ago, they focused in on a couple of verses that we haven't read yet. And that is what connected with me. Now let's try to forget that we know the end of the story. Try to forget that we know they're going to be rescued. But when Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah stood before the king, they were three young men, foreigners. They were very smart, but they were treated as suspicious, threatening. And they stood before a tyrannical authority who could just like in a whim take out their lives. They were asked to do something that compromised everything they believed in. And their lives were truly at risk. This is what they said to the king. Verse 16. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
Look at that faith. Faith in a God that they had not ever seen. But they knew he was powerful enough to deliver them. They knew he had the love enough for them to deliver them. But even if he didn't deliver in the way they expected, it was not going to change their actions. It was not going to change their faith. They had trust in whatever plan, whatever deliverance God had in mind. Because deliverance comes in different forms. Sometimes it's physical, but it always includes the internal, the spiritual, the heart. Because we all know that we've seen when God delivers people physically, but sometimes he does not. But yet, he's always working on us. And I feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though they were physically delivered, I am sure they were strengthened within because of God's presence. And perhaps God chose this amazing physical deliverance to get the king's attention. Because you know what? God cared about King Nebuchadnezzar's heart as well. God wants deliverance for all of us. Jesus told the religious leaders of his day when they were mocking who he was eating with, he said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came to deliver sinners. <laughs> Guess what? We're all sinners. Yes, we can all be righteous, but yes, we're all sinners too. And everyone around us is a bit of both. At some point, you will need to take a stand. You will take a risk. And I hope that that is what you relate to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story is the willingness to say yes and take a stand, to say any step further is a compromise of everything I believe and the God I serve. You might be asked to compromise by your family, by your friends, by your work, by the community you grew up in. And you're going to take a risk and you're going to say, no, I'm standing right here to protect the image of Jesus, to protect the people made in his image, which is everyone. And I'm going to take this stand. And you know, God, he will stand with you in the fire. He will be right there ready to deliver you by your side. But you know what? He wants to deliver the very people who are opposing you as well. Because God, his deliverance is for the righteous and the sinner. And we're both. So I hope that you trust in a God who delivers and whatever the rest of this year and the future brings, that he wants to deliver you, that he has the power to deliver you, but that he also wants to use your life to try to deliver others, even the very people who oppose you. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life to deliver us from sin and to deliver even those who we oppose and who oppose us. Thank you that your grace is for all. 
We ask for your deliverance to come, Lord Jesus. Amen.